You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hello. Welcome, gals, to The Devoted Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you have found us amidst all the podcasts you could be listening to today. I'm glad you're with me. We are, I'm told by my amazing team, we're about to record our 100th episode of The Devoted Podcast, which is kind of amazing to me. No, it's actually more than a little amazing to me. I'll just be real. That's a lot. And I I know that number might be slightly off. I know we've done some bonus episodes and things like that, which I guess don't go in the count. I don't know. But I'm told that today is actually the 100th episode that we'll be recording of the Devoted Podcast. So we're going to mark it a little bit in some fun ways. We're going to do a giveaway this week. So if you don't already follow us on Instagram, maybe go over to Athey Women on Instagram, follow us there, watch the social media posts, and you'll see how you can enter this week. Also, if you're not on social media, then you can send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com, devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com. Send it by the end of the week, which would be this Friday, December 9th. So if you're listening to this months, months later, I'm so sorry, then the giveaway is probably closed. But we're going to do some fun stuff. I'm not even sure what's all going to be in there. So if you're curious about what's in there, you probably have to check the social media posts. But I'm going to throw in a bunch of stuff, some devotionals, some books we've talked about. I think I'm going to throw in an Athey Women sweatshirt in there. So going to be some fun stuff just to celebrate 100 episodes that we've been doing of the Devoted Podcast. And what is the Devoted Podcast for? What's the purpose that we do? I say this a lot and I reiterate it a lot, but I I want it to kind of stick in our minds of this is not just another podcast in some ways. And I'm not saying that to make it sound like, ooh, we're so special. But because what I really, really hope that we do, what I do, what you do when you hear this is that you are looking to scripture for how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do. And the purpose of this podcast is to do just that. It's to look at scripture and fully submit ourselves to what it says. Sometimes we like what God's word has to say for us. And sometimes we'd rather skim past that part just a little bit. But today, gals, I pray, pray, pray that you don't skim. I pray that you hear God's word and you do what it says. That's what James one twenty two says to us, that we shouldn't just hear the word, but we should be doers of the word too. So there's going to be some sharpening today, gals. There's going to be some sharpening. You know, when you picture that sharpening of a stone and a sharpening stone and a a sword that's being sharpened, it's being rubbed against a hard surface, right? And sparks fly a little bit. But the goal is that you have a sharper sword at the end of it. You take that sword and you pull it against that hard surface. Sparks do fly a little bit, but at the end of it, you have a sharper sword. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to do our best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So as we sharpen ourselves, we're looking for the way in which we can rightly handle the word of God. We're looking to present ourselves as one approved, a worker that we don't need to be ashamed. So that's kind of what we need to be thinking about in the background as we build on what we're going to be sharpening with today. I want us to keep that scripture in mind. Also, Hebrews 4.12 reminds us that the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's sharp, two-edged sword. 
So when we think about that, when we think about the sharpening, and I love these pictures that the Word of God is sharp like that, there is sometimes some cutting. There's sometimes there's some things that we may see that we've kind of been walking down that road a little bit, or we've been entertaining these thoughts, or we've been doing different things. And the Word would say, you know, I'm just going to slice that out a little bit very surgically, very precisely. I think that God's word shows us that it's not necessarily a big grenade he throws in and there's just pieces everywhere. No, there's this precision and his word is very precise. So let's not be afraid of the sharpening. Let's not be afraid to have God's word correct us. Like I I prefaced this at the beginning, the purpose of this podcast is that we would just be aligning ourselves Biblically, what does the Bible say? And being wholly devoted to that, regardless of if it makes us feel good or not. We want what God's word says for us because it is authoritative. It is the boss of us. We want to go to it to get direction. How do we live? What do we do? What pleases the Lord? What doesn't please the Lord? You know, a lot of times we have talked about in the past some passages on what it looks like to have friendship with the world. And I want to give us a just a reminder of some of those verses as well. Because I think, Christian gals, we need to remember that we are not told in the word that we're supposed to blend in. You know, in fact, it points out that we're supposed to look different. We should be different from the world, even, I'll go so far to say, as hated. First John 3.13 says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And, you know, in the Gospels, too, it talks about Jesus said, hey, don't worry about that they're going to hate you. They hated me first. But it's he uses that word hate. It's a pretty strong word. We're not even real comfortable with the fact if the world kind of dislikes us, much less hates us. But here's the scripture that tells us, no, actually, they might actually full on hate you. And that's okay. That comes straight from the word that comes straight from Jesus's mouth when he says, do not fear that they are, they're going to hate you at times. So we like the feeling of fitting in. But I want us to ask ourselves a question, fitting in with what? How are we fitting in with the world? Should we be fitting in with the world? James 4.4 says this, says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, who wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We rarely will put our relationship with the world, our friendliness with the world in such harsh and stark terms, I don't think. We don't want to look at it as hatred of God if we're friendly with the world. Romans 12, 2 also says, do not be conformed to this world. So in other words, don't look like them. Don't be conformed. Don't come into that mold of the world. But rather, it says in Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that's what we're going to be doing a little bit today. We're going to be doing some sharpening. We're going to be doing some discerning about some things of the world. We're going to test a little bit, and we're going to hopefully discern what is good and acceptable. What is part of what God would have us do and conduct and even teach and train our kids, the things that we're participating in ourselves? All of these things, there's going to be probably some application for us personally. There's going to be application for us in how we're training the younger around us, our friends. There's going to be a lot packed in here. But important for us to remember that there is this repeated reminders in Scripture about not loving the things of the world. Another scripture, 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So scripture is clear. There should be a difference between you and the world, between me and the world. Not because we're better, 
But we are forgiven of our sins. As believers in Jesus, we have accepted the freedom and the repentance of believing that Jesus paid an ultimate and extremely costly price for us. And because he first loved us, we love him. And we will live differently. And here's another word we talk about a lot or another phrase. We will live set apart, being different. What does scripture tell us about being set apart? First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are called to not live in the dark. We're called to be set apart and live in that marvelous light. Also, again, in 1 Peter, if you back up in 1 Peter 1, verse 14, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So I've given you several scriptures about, yep, there's going to be some sharpening, and that's okay. We need to be discerning. We need to not be conforming to the pattern of the world. We actually need to be set apart. We are called to a life of holiness, not a mixing of the world. And so here's a couple more scriptures before I get to our main topic today. And that is, as we think about all of these things, I want you to also consider what we fill our minds with. What do we allow in? I think of this as what we're filling our bucket with, you know? Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I love this passage, and I, I specifically, I've been really meditating on the word keep. And in other translations, it says guard. That's an active word right there. Okay, that isn't just a, I don't know what the right word would be, but there's some action to this. Keep, guard, meaning like actively keeping things out. You know, if you think about somebody who is guarding at a gate or guarding a home, they are vigilant. They're watching. They're looking at what at the, any enemy, anything that could be coming at them, and they're prepared to do some battle there if they need to in order to keep those things that are bad to keep them out of the home. And I think of this in the context with us first with our own hearts and minds, right? We have to be on guard against the things that are all out there in the world that kind of want to take a little root in your brain, want a little, just whisper some little things into your, into your mind a little bit. We need to be on guard for ourselves with that. And now the way that we prepare ourselves, the way that we are making a good defense is having the word in our heart. The thing that's in our bucket is not a bunch of junk from the world, but rather it is hopefully scripture and knowing the scriptures and being in the scriptures so that that's the stuff we're putting in our bucket. Because, you know, when that stuff's all in your bucket, there's not as much room for the things of this world and the things that would taint your bucket. So keeping your heart, guarding it. And then I also think of this, so I was saying yes from the context of our own hearts and minds, but then also if you're a mom or if you have younger folks that you are influencing, which many, many of us gals do, or friends that you influence. This doesn't necessarily just for moms, but how are we guarding those that we love and care about from the nonsense that would get into their heart, the stuff that they would be filling their minds and their hearts with? Because this proverb told us right there, it says, for from it, from that heart flows the springs of life. Life. It's a life and death verse, gals. It really is. It's pointing to the fact that the stuff that we have in our heart and in our mind, that's where the life comes from, or dare I say, the death comes from too. Luke 6.45 reminds us, says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. 
And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This verse, I think then Jesus is giving us this picture then of what is in your heart is going to affect everything else. It is going to have a result. It says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you think about all the things that are in your bucket, if you think that the things that are in your heart, the things that are in your mind are just going to stay in that bucket, they're not going to come out. No one's ever going to see what's in there. You're wrong. Jesus says that we're wrong. He says that out of that, out of the abundance of that, that's what we start hearing out of our mouths. So we can debate about that. And people will, especially on this topic that I'm about to drill down on in a little bit. And they're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. I just take that in, but I don't actually say those things. I don't believe those things. Well, God's word would disagree with you because he would say that actually out of the abundance of the heart, out of the things that come that we allow into our hearts and minds, the mouth speaks. So it does actually have an effect. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to step on a cultural landmine here and I'm going to brace myself for the angry and defensive emails. And I'm going to go ahead and ask us gals, why, as Christian women, moms and their daughters, I'm lumping, there's a specific thing for those in there, but just women in general, why as Christian women are we walking in lockstep with the world into the Taylor Swift craze? Okay, I'm just gonna let that sit there a second. Are you tempted to turn me off? Did you roll your eyes, literally, or maybe figuratively, and think, oh, good grief. Here's another one of those crazy Christian ladies. It's just music. It's not a big deal. I'm going to just go ahead and say all the things that I told you you'd probably want to say out of those last verses of it's like, it's just music. I just listen to it. I don't start doing these things. I don't start believing these things. I'm going to point you to Luke 645. Meditate on that scripture and think about the things that we pour into our hearts and what scripture says the result of that is. But I hear this, you know, good grief. It's just music. It's not a big deal. You kind of just need to calm down. So I'm going to start with this one. And first of all, before I get into too much of this, I will give you a strong encouragement that maybe you've kind of been drawn into the whole TS craze and you're all excited about it. Maybe it's your go-to to just download the album the first time it comes out. Probably I'm too late to this game if, if that's you. But I would encourage those of you who have like maybe just not gone there and you've maybe been like, oh, well, I don't really know what the big deal is. Maybe I should check this out because everybody I know seems to think this is like really great and everybody's getting tickets and this is so exciting. Maybe I should check this out. But if you're in that camp and you haven't actually listened to some of this, which I'm probably speaking to a very small minority on that score, I would encourage you to go read the lyrics first. Don't listen. Just read the lyrics because what you will find is whenever you put music to something, it makes everything sound all catchy and fun and it can suck you in. Let's be real. It totally can suck you in. And you may even like not even listen to all the lyrics as much the first time. I'm telling you, they're still coming in. That's not a thing for you just to not hear what the lyrics are saying. But you can't always understand them maybe as clearly. So I would encourage you, or if you're a mom and you have a daughter that's really into this, read the lyrics first. Just go read the lyrics. Okay. So, but I want to talk about this one because first of all, this first one I want to talk about is not from her current, her new album, but it's actually from a few years ago. And a friend that has followed Taylor Swift for years and years used to be an like a diehard Taylor Swift fan. And we'll, we'll talk about a little bit because there has been definitely a turning 
over the last few years. But a couple years ago, she did a song actually that's called You Need to Calm Down. And I thought this was so ironic because truly, this is probably one of the things that even if people won't write me the angry email, they probably will say that in their heart a little bit of like, yeah, she just needs to simmer on down. Well, Taylor would say the same thing to me. But when she wrote this particular song called You Need to Calm Down, she was very much speaking out about some big social issues in the day that are very explicit against God's word. So I read the lyrics to this. Here the, a couple lines, you know, she says, you need to calm down. You're being too loud. She goes on and says, you are somebody we don't know, but you're coming at my friends like a missile. Why are you mad? Then this next line, this is going to give you a little hint about what really is at the crux of this issue of what people are so mad about and why she wrote this song. When you could be glad. So she says, why are you mad when you could be glad? Now, when she says glad in the lyrics of the song, it is even written out as capital G, capital L, A, A, D, glad, which stands for Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. So it's a very proactive organization in the defense of gay and lesbian lifestyle and all of those things. So that's what it, and she she embeds that within the lyric of the song when she says, you need to calm down. Why are you mad when you could be glad? OK, and then she goes on sunshine on the street at the parade. But you would rather be in the dark ages making that sign must have taken all night. Now, if you watch the video to this song, when they're referring to making the sign that must have taken all night, they actually show protests of some, you know, people that very archaic looking people holding their signs that say homosexuality is a sin and things like that. And then she continues the song and she says, and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate because shade never made anybody less gay. Okay, so are you kind of getting what this song is about? Now, I bring up this one example of this is a song from a couple years ago, reminding me, which well, is what she's telling me, that you just need to calm down. And you all out there, you just need to calm down. Now, calm down about what? Because here's the thing that within the, this song, they are talking about things that I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is things that are clearly in contradiction to God's word. Again, if you watch the video, you'll see things where there's there's drag queens, there's gay couples getting married. There, it, it's it's not subtle, gals. It's not even close. So it's a very overt example of that all of us that believe what the Bible says, that homosexuality is a sin, that we are people that hate, which is not true, and that we are ones that need to calm down. So this is just a little example. Now, I, I bring that one up first, and you might be thinking like, my goodness, you could have come up with one of the more amazing, little more gentler songs. But I need to remind us that there are some of those, perhaps, especially in the olden day TS days, some more gentler, even dare I say wholesome songs if you go way back songs. But over time, this is the direction she's taken. So that song, like I said, that was a few years ago. Her latest album, Midnights, is what sort of startled me with the popularity of this. I, I just, I hadn't really followed her much in the last couple of years. I heard a lot of her stuff back in the old country days and then some of her later albums, but not too much. So I really have been a little bit in the dark on this. I wasn't really noticing. So when the Midnights album came out and the popularity, I was like, 
I was just stunned. I was stunned watching Instagram and all of the things as I saw people just going crazy to get tickets for this concert. Like It was such a big deal. Ticketmaster broke. Okay, (laughs) because of it, they're looking into antitrust lawsuits over it. I mean, they're going to deeply investigate what happened here because Ticketmaster broke over the popularity of these concerts. I saw reshares of posts and of tweets and comments of people that delayed home purchases because somebody had spent $30,000 on a ticket to a concert in the middle of a recession and an inflationary cycle. I, I just that's interesting. Gals waited hours and hours in a queue for a chance to get tickets for themselves or maybe for themselves and their daughters. So this happened. When was that? I don't know. October. Is that when this album came out? And then I think a few weeks ago is when the concert stuff, all of that mayhem broke out. So this is not a blip on the radar. This isn't like some small minority of women out there that are really excited about this latest craze or whatever. No, 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 no. She is enormously popular. And this is also not just a thing where, oh, but see, that's just non-Christian folks that are into that. Because, again, this is a podcast. This is what I will say. This is for Christian women. This is for us to look at the Bible and say, hey, are we lining up all of our life, right? Are we lining all of the things that we do, that we say, all of our actions against the Word of God or only some of it? So I'm talking to Christian women. And I know that as I speak, there's either some of you that are in this camp that are already extremely offended, or there's some of you that are really listening or perhaps know others that have kind of maybe been sucked into this. Or maybe you're a mom and, you're, and your daughter's been really interested in this, and you've kind of been fighting it off a little bit, but you're like, ah, I don't really know why, and maybe I should just go for it. I'm talking to us Christian gals. Why, why are we participating in this? So just a little bit of TS history. Because I'm not an expert. I've just kind of watched from afar, okay? But I will say some of the early, early stuff, there was just a sweetness to her. And I think that's what makes all of this kind of just a really sad story in so many ways. She started songwriting when she was 11. I read that she started playing guitar at 12. Her early stuff and some of her later stuff, I've not read every lyric, I I just can't go down that hole anymore. But some of it, some really good writing. Okay, I'm an English major, and so I love it when people can write well and can communicate things that maybe people think but don't really have words to say. I really admire that talent. And people are attracted to her honesty in her her lyrics. And there used to be a real sweetness to her that from the observer side of things, I have to say, almost appeared nearly wholesome. You know, there was just a an innocence to her. Now, a shift happened somewhere along the way. I'm not real sure. I asked my friend who knows a whole lot more about Taylor Swift, and she said she felt it was around the 1989 album. And you could just see that she was making some dark turns. Now, like I mentioned, she is enormously popular. So, for example, uh, one of her songs is called Look What You Made Me Do. This one's a few years back, too. But the music video, when it played, it had 19 million views on YouTube on the first day. 19 million views just in one day. Midnight's her latest album, as of today, just that one song, has 68 million views. So we're talking about something, like I said, that is enormously popular. So what are most of her lyrics? Because I sadly did walk down the dark hole of reading most of the lyrics on her latest album. And I'll just tell you, I don't remember the number, but the several of the songs are explicit. There's uh, several songs that just, it, and to me, it's like, it's just really 
odd placement. Not that there's ever a good placement for for language, but it feels really out of place sometimes. Maybe that's because in my mind, I still like think of her or want to think of her in like this sweet, innocent role. And so then when she like throws out this language, it's just seems just really shocking. So a lot of her songs have language. Most of her songs, I think that could be depicted by this, that it's self-absorbed poetic promiscuity. You know, she most of her songs are about me, 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 lots and lots of me. And again, I think sometimes that feeds into the popularity of her because people like to hear songs about me. You know, we we could do a whole episode just on, again, the idolatry that we put ourselves in because we we want to discuss and we want to divulge the inner the inner depths of me. And she puts words to those things. So there's that self-absorbed side, but there is like I said, the good writing part, some of it is very, very well written. And so it just has this poetic feel to it. But then at the end of the day, it's unbelievable, promiscuous, sexual. You're going to have a really hard time finding some redeeming qualities in it. Now, I hope you hear my heart that I am not trying to just pick on Taylor Swift. We should pray for this girl. She has enormous influence and I think that as you read her lyrics, you can hear the hurt. She is seemingly really lost and needs Jesus. And so it should break our hearts when we see this. We should see a story of somebody that you could see where she started from. And, you know, we didn't know her heart back then. But you can definitely see the fruit of where she is now. And it should sadden us. It really, really should. So my sharpening question for us gals is, should we as Christian women be okay with this? Should we buy the songs? Should we go to the concerts? Should we be taking our daughters? And here's another question for you. Do we become what we tolerate? Is this just harmless? Do I just need to calm down like Taylor says? So here's why I say no. And here's why Christian moms, Christian teens, (laughs) I implore you to compare what you are reading, singing, and filling your bucket with to compare that with what the word says because we cannot be naive to the this is just entertainment this is just a song this just sounds good it's just good to work out to i really do think that's stepping down a road of just being naive at the end of that song that i told you about earlier that you just need to calm down the video at the end they put up a sign that's imploring you to call your lawmaker and let your voice be heard in support of same-sex relationships and LGBTQIA plus interests and all of those things. And then it says change.org, which is a very liberal organization that is for LGBTQ agenda. That's what it says at the end of the video. Okay. It's not like it's just catchy entertainment. But the enemy would love to snag us if he can and snag the naive in any way that he can by, hey, if you'll just hum this and you'll just go around like this is just a fun song and that there's nothing to this, that's a win for him. But we need to not be naive to think that they are not attempting to try to actually influence the way we think and actually even the way we act. Just like I just read that deal that they're saying, hey, call your lawmaker and tell them you support these issues and that kind of stuff. And we're not unpacking on this episode all the things with those particular interests. I'm right now just assuming that you have already looked at the scriptures on why those things are a sin and and I can give you lots of suggestions of things I would encourage you to go onto athecreek.com and you can just look in the teaching section on those things. The Bible does say that those things are sin. So that part 
I'm not really debating at this point. The mess that the world puts us in and says, it tells us that we, we just hate and that we just know. The sin of LGBTQIA, all of those things, it is sin, but it's no different than any other sexual sin. Now, I will say sexual sins in the Bible, they do seem to give um, indication that there are more consequences, like earthly consequences, meaning they're more damaging. Sexual sin is. But I'm, I'm saying sexual sin because that encompasses much more than same-sex attraction. That is same-sex attraction, yes, but it's also any kind of sexual activity that is outside of marriage. So the, the Bible calls that fornication, anything. So if that's an adulterous relationship, if that is living with someone before you're married, all of those things, that's the same thing. It's not like we're saying the sin of a same-sex attraction, the sin of homosexuality is like this heavier sin than all of these others because sexual sin is all sexual sin. So small caveat there. But in the case of Taylor Swift, she is adamantly supporting these initiatives. She is in support of these sins. I just remind you of Romans 132 in the King James, it talks about a whole list of of different sins in general. It does talk about the sin of homosexuality and other sexual sins within that passage as well. But in Romans 132, it says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but get this, but have pleasure in them that do them. Or in the ESV, it puts it like this, they that know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Give approval to those that practice them. Any sin. In this particular song that she's talking about, she's talking about homosexuality. So that is the sin that she is giving approval and practice uh, that, that it's okay. So are we falling into that camp where we're saying we approve of this sin by the information that we take in. So are we approving of what we're seeing? Are we, by our downloading the song, by watching the video, by going to the concerts, are we approving of what we see? And you'll hear pushback on this all the time. You know, you know, just because it's in a song, it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Or just because it's something that the artist stands for doesn't mean I'm going to. But I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm going to push on that just a little bit, really. Because at what point... Does someone you or your teenage daughter look up to, which I, I think you could say by the amount of influence that she, this particular person has, that she has influence. She might even be someone that they look up to and that might even be a role model. And at what point is that not going to begin to influence how you or your daughter may think on certain issues? I don't think we should be naive about this. And I really don't think we should be complacent. Minimally, if we are honest with ourselves, how does all of this, you know, the lyrics, the videos, and I haven't even mentioned all of the things. There's there's so much alcohol in it. It's extremely overly sexualized, whether that's with how she presents herself in the clothes she wears. Sometimes it's even within the lyrics. It's definitely overly sexualized, but you've got alcohol, you've got all of these things, the language, all of that. How does that pair with the word? How does this line up that we that we can be like, yeah, it's probably okay. The picture I think of with this is is like a tire with a slow leak. It might just be a tiny, tiny little tack of a nail that you drove over and you can probably drive for a while and it won't be a big deal. Your walk with the Lord's probably going to be you're not going to really notice much different. You're still going to have forward motion. But over time, at some point, that slow leak is going to continue. It's going to continue to get bigger and it's going to have you're going to have more air that's going to be lost and you'll stop moving forward. And 
my question for us is at what point do we take in all of this stuff? Does it become that where it's just kind of a slow leak? We know that the things that she's saying, the things that she's doing are against the word of God, but we still just kind of turn a a blind or maybe a complacent eye to it. At what point will that be something that we kind of stop having forward motion with our walk with the Lord? Will, Will it become a hindrance to the things that we could be better using our time for, the things that the Lord would have us do? So let's just like talk about that word complacency for just a second, because I think this is something where when Romans talks about that, we can give approval to those that do such things. There can be this complacency of, I'm just not affected by it. It's not a big deal, whatever. And we're just not very active about it. But Proverbs 132 says, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. Complacency is not a term that is without consequence, actually. We like to think it is. We like to think, well, I just don't want to make waves. I don't want to stir the pot too much. My daughter really, really wants to go, so it's probably fine. But keep Proverbs 132 in mind. The simple are killed by their turning away. The complacency of fools destroys them. I'll go back to that uh, the other verse we read in Proverbs about guarding our hearts. Are we guarding our own hearts and are we guarding what is going into the minds of our of our sweet girls. There's another passage in Isaiah that talks about complacency, and it specifically brings up women. And there's a context here that is within the fall of Jerusalem. And so there's a whole much more to this, this story. But it says in Isaiah 32, 9, it says, Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. And then it's going on to talk about a little bit what's going to happen there and during the fall of Jerusalem. And then in verse 11 says, tremble, you women who are at ease and shudder, you complacent ones. Now, like I said, we're not really unpacking all of the context here, which is a really important context for what the women were going through during the fall of Jerusalem. But can we pick up here what's going on with what the Lord's opinion is about complacency? And he specifically calls out women here that we are not to be complacent. We are to be like that guard that's standing at the door watching for enemies that might want to come in and mess with us, mess with our families, mess with our daughters. We aren't to be at ease with that stuff. We're to be on our guard. We're to be vigilant about those things, the opposite of being complacent. J.C. Ryle is an old theologian, and he said this about being complacent, and he said, we secretly wish we could have a vicarious Christianity and could be good by proxy, and have everything done for us. Anything that requires exertion and labor is entirely against the grain of our hearts. But the soul can no gains without pains. To be a Christian, it will cost a man his love of ease. And this is where I I think this just kind of fights against this, almost this laziness, this complacency that we can have with all the junk even just set Taylor Swift aside, all the junk that the world has, it can feel like just a torrential flood that feels like it's always coming at you and your family that you feel a little worn down at times. But be encouraged that the word says that the opposite, being complacent and doing those things, being the life of ease and having that laziness, that there is going to be no spiritual gain in that. That a Christian, it it says it will cost us our love of ease. It's going to feel hard. I'll go back to those early passages we talked about that we aren't to conform to the world. That means it's it's going to feel abrasive from the world when we're setting ourselves apart, when we're going a different direction than what the world does. 
But so we we look at how these things and maybe we just kind of get lazy, kind of get complacent about it. But then I think it begs the question, then when does that complacency and that sort of just laziness like, eh, I don't know, maybe it's not so bad. When does that then lead to being complicit with the sin, with doing what, what Romans 132 says, well, you're approving of those that do that? Because I do wonder if we are actively giving our, our money and all of these things to an artist that is clearly in opposition to what God's word is saying. I brought up that one song. Gals, there's other songs where she has transgender models in them. You do not have to dig deep to see that she is somebody that is actively walking in a way that is opposed to God's word and God's design. It just is. So at what point then does that complacency then lead to being complicit, being that Romans 132 of approving of those that practice such things? The history of the word complicit is interesting to me because it literally means a folding together. I picture it as just kind of kind of things getting a little bit mixed, a little bit messy, a little bit complicated and kind of kind of folding something all together. And it just not it sounds like a really messy origami that you started folding correctly and then it just turned into a big mess. It's this folding together. And that's what it looks like to be complicit. And it's a very much a mixing then of the world. So let's ask ourselves, you know, what at what point does our complacency if it doesn't really matter or it's just music or like Taylor Swift would tell me, you just need to calm down. When does that lend itself to being complicit with what you're taking in? Now, I'm going to say something specifically for mamas, okay? Because here's the thing, gals. <laughs> we have got a job to do, a big job to do. And this is unpopular, I know. And I know probably I've made so many people so mad <laughs> on this episode because there's a lot of moms that have bought the lie that they're just supposed to be their daughter's friend and that that you just need to be your friend, your daughter's BFF, that relationship above all else and all of that kind of stuff. And gals, that's just not true. I know that sounds really good. And I know that's even at times is easier because if I can just make these compromises and we still have this friendship, then all will be well. But we cannot be friends with things that are in leading our daughters in a way that would promote them being complacent and complicit with sinful behavior. God has given us the charge as moms to teach and train the younger. We're to be obeyed by our children. Scripture tells us, Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Proverbs 1, 8, and similarly, Proverbs 6, 20, it says, hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. That means, moms, that we're teaching stuff. So the question is, what are you teaching your children by either turning a blind eye to what you allow? But you are teaching something by that. You can't just think that whether you're not saying anything in the conversation or if you're promoting it, that you're not teaching something. You are absolutely teaching something. And I'll just add this in here. Like I mentioned, there is a ton of sexual content in her stuff. And moms, I would just ask you, is that the way that you want your daughters to view sex? There is just no way you can look at the things that are being promoted in this and say that this is promoting a biblical sexual ethic because it's just not. And sometimes, they'll, you know, I'll hear people say, but oh, but you know what? There's worse things. And oh, my goodness, you're saying all this stuff about Taylor Swift. Do you know about this and this and this? I don't even want to know. I mean, I hear what you're saying. But here's the thing that, that what I would say is just because there is a little poison in it. 
and maybe there's not as much poison in this as there is in other things, should it be fine? Or is it still poison? We do this a lot by I hear Christian parents say, well, at least it's not fill in the blank. At least they're not doing this. At least they're not haven't gone this far. But that's us making excuses instead of going, yeah, it's still poison. It might only be a little poison, but poison still kills you. Parents, Malachi 2.15 tells us that what we are supposed to do is that we are here as if you're a parent to create godly offspring, godly offspring. And that's a big charge, right? How are we doing at training, at teaching our kids to be godly? And is the things that we allow in our home, whether that's music or movies or whatever it is, is that promoting godliness in their life? I know this is heavy. I know that for some, like I said, I have no doubt I have offended many and there's many that probably are not even still listening. But I want to just encourage us with a couple more scriptures here at the end. And and maybe this will just simplify it because as I was studying through this, this is kind of what it boiled down to me. And I, I read 1 John 1, 7 that says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Are we walking in the light or are we walking in the dark? And put this in any context, put, take it, take the Taylor Swift factor out of it. Maybe you aren't even closely, you know, you could care less about what she's up to. But all of us have things that we either take in, things that we're putting into our bucket that we need to kind of hold out and say, Lord, is this walking in the light or is this staying in the dark? Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I love, love, love this passage so much. Because blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That's meaning happy. Man, you will do well if you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners. You guys can disagree with me, but I would... As I read this, as I see the things that's out there, whether it's Taylor Swift or a different artist or a different movie or something else that is trying to take a seat at the table at your home, there is a lot out there that is the counsel of the wicked and it's standing in the way with sinners. And the Lord is saying, blessed is the man who doesn't darken that door. He doesn't even go there, but rather his delight is in the law of the Lord. These scriptures that I've read about not being friends with the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, I hope those bring encouragement to you because the Lord's way is is beautiful and right, and it brings blessing to us. If I've offered any opinion here that you don't like, I don't blame you, okay? But I will ask you to pray about this. Read the scriptures yourself. I was thinking this morning as I, I've been a sort of kicking this podcast down the road. I'm giving you some confession on maybe my own timidity in this a little bit. And, but before I even woke up this morning and I was laying in my bed, this podcast, this episode that I've been kind of mulling around that I've been praying about, it was the first thing I thought of this morning. So then I just started praying about, Lord, you know, is this what you would have for me today? And the Lord in his perfection and his kindness and his pointedness, he did point me to some scriptures that definitely convicted me that I needed to be doing this. But the other thing that he brought to mind 
is, do you remember the old little song? Like, I'm sure we all sang this in Sunday school at some time that, you know, be careful little eyes, what you see. And then the be careful little ears, what you hear. And it, it goes on the be careful little tongue, what you say. And then it says for the father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes, what you see. You know, it just made me think why that little nursery song. But, you know, I think this is actually, there's a lot of truth in this. We need to be careful what we see. We need to be careful what we hear. We need to be careful what we say. But not because there is, it's not because there's some big eye in the sky glaring at you. Sometimes people think that, that the Lord is just like glaring down and like, you better not do this. You better not do that. It says just as the sweetness in the song, it says, looking down in love. So be careful what you, what little eyes, what you see. He's looking down in love. He knows what's good for us. And he lovingly gives us his word. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. He offers his word in love. He, he didn't leave us just out there blindly to figure these things out. He knows that the things that are being promoted by the world, a sexual ethic that is against God's design, promiscuity, language that is absolutely not honoring to the Lord. He sees all of those things. And it's not like he's trying to be like, I just don't want you to have any fun. He knows that walking in those things, walking in the counsel of the wicked and standing in the way of sinners, he knows it's harmful. We will be hurt by that. Moms, if you've got daughters, they will be hurt by believing and walking in those lifestyles. And again, I just think we're silly to think that that is not going to affect how our girls think, how they dress, how they view themselves, how they compare themselves, how they view really important issues that the Bible talks about, sin, it's a big deal. It will affect those things and we need to not be naive to that. So a lot there, I'm just gonna ask you this, measure all that you do, and I and I say the same thing to myself, measure all the things that I do, that you do, by the Word of God. How does it stand up? Are we devoted to Scripture or are we not? Is God right or are we right? I pray for each of us that at the end of the day, at the end of that conversation that we have, sometimes it's a battle in our own minds. Sometimes it's a conversation with one of our kids about the ungodly things of the world. I pray that that's how we're directing our own minds and the minds of our kids around us. Measure what you do, what you say, what you see by the word of God, because he is the one who knows us. He created us. He loved us. And he sent his son to die for every single one of those sins that is being portrayed on those YouTube videos. Every single thought, every single issue that we have, all the sins that we are trapped up in, Jesus died for those sins. We need to encourage ourselves, we need to encourage our kids to be walking in a way that is set apart, that is walking in holiness and is pleasing to the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.